All right. Hello, Georgetown. How's it going? It's going well. You're not Georgetown. I was asking the people. That was their chance to respond. Okay. Yeah. How- if you're driving and you're rolling your eyes right now, I totally understand. <laughs> Let me go ahead and apologize. All right, Jake. Fine. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into the. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, we love you guys. As you can tell, uh, we're. I've really enjoyed doing these uh, podcasts. Um, it's a good time. This is the first time, so if you want a little behind the scenes, me and Jake usually wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and we shoot these podcasts. We did not do that today, did we, Jake? No, I mean, I, I don't mind waking up in the morning, but my energy level is not as high. I, I don't, I, you know, the cherub-like demeanor I have now is not usually there at 6, but uh, no. I know that's not true about you. You know, you're a, you wake up at 4 every day, right? No, 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 no not 4. No, I wake up about like 6.37. Wow. Yeah, okay. so I like, nice. I like the early, but um, I'm, but I'm, the energy's not high. It gets yeah. more hellfire and brimstone at 6, Yes. but then it's all, you know, prosperity gospel at 9. So. Pretty much, <laughs> no, yeah. I only talk about hell from 6 to 9. And after that, it's just grace. Yeah, every, yeah, everything's grace and mercy. No, anyway, so as you can tell, we, we've had a fun time shooting these little podcasts. Uh, it's been great. Last week's podcast, we talked about the new sermon series, uh, which I'm personally just really excited about as we get diving into that. I'm looking forward to even my own personal study time in that and then as we study it in the church. But I'm also really excited about this podcast. So this is our first like 2.0 podcast. So um, if you have not listened to our discipleship podcast, uh, you can go back and listen to that uh, where we just talk about, man, what does it mean to be a disciple? And we kind of talk about what we do as the church. But as we talk about uh, it again, is we're going to be talking about just where we have come since that last podcast and then just more qualifications of like, Hey man, what does it mean to be a disciple? So if you want to check out that podcast before you listen here, I'm giving you time to, to pause it, go listen to that and come back and listen to this one. Uh, but I'm really excited. So this is just discipleship uh, 2.0. So Jake, um, how's our discipleship been going in our church? Well, it's, it's gone really well. And for the longest time, it's been just an organic type of movement that's happened. And that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. And basically last fall, uh, 2022, yeah. we started uh, discipling some men in our church. There was a Tuesday morning group, a Thursday morning group. Uh, it was not um, a streamlined type of thing. It was just men that were invited. Our deacons went through it and some other men. And those groups met for a couple months. And then we started seeing some smaller groups Mm-hmm. meet from the men that were originally discipled. Then we saw a group of women go through it. And then we saw some small groups based out of that. Wasn't just people from Georgetown. It was some people that live here in Pottsboro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the first initial thrust of it. But then what has happened, we started streamlining it. And hopefully you remember me standing in front of the church and saying that we're going to offer a strand discipleship class on Wednesday nights for men. And then there has been a Friday morning group that's met uh, with uh, Sheila Badgett. So um, we've been doing that. And currently we have 14 men that are going through strand discipleship. And I do not know the amount of women that are going through it, but 
I have gotten to the point where I can't count it anymore. You know, I try to count who has been discipled in our church, who is discipling more people. And we are at about the 80 to 100 range Mm -hmm. of the people in our church that have gone through what we call strand discipleship. But the fruit that has come from that is number one, people are feeling equipped to go and meet people in their life to disciple And that's the ultimate goal is we want people to have a tool in their hand to be able to go and do what Jesus called us to do in Matthew 28, verse 19. And, um, but the second part that has been really fruitful is we're starting to see people join the church over it. Yes. You know, we had a Sunday where two young men who are in our Wednesday night discipleship group, both 24 years old came forward and said, I want to join the church. And mm-hmm. that's the goal is we're, we're wanting people to feel called by name, to understand what does it mean to follow Jesus and to begin to identify who am I in this? Mm-hmm. And that's the whole goal of this. And we don't expect every member of our church to be discipled, but we want every member of our church to have the opportunity for it to mm-hmm. make that personal decision. I know that you have discipled teenagers and some yeah. college students. Kind of what has that resulted in? Yeah, so, um, man, I was planning on doing this discipling fall of 2022. And just, I'm a big discipleship guy. I'm a big relational guy. I base, a, like, and I know it sounds super basic, but I base a lot of my ministry on how Jesus handled his disciples uh, because I'm not good enough to, to organize it any other way. And um, so I was planning on it, and then I go through the strand discipleship, and as I'm going through it, it was answered prayer. It wasn't like, oh, the pastor's doing this, I want to fall alongside. No, it was like I've been searching through curriculum. I mean, I still have some of the stacks of books I have in my office that I was just searching through, and and nothing was what I, where I thought we were heading in the discipleship. And as I'm going through the strand discipleship, it was just answered prayer. And I'm like, this is what our students need to be doing. And honestly, this is what I need to be going through as well. Luckily, I was going through it. Now it's just time for step two. So last fall, I took about um, eight kids, uh, eight youth through discipleship. And man, it just went so well so well. I mean, it was, it was a choice to go through. I, I, I put out a piece of paper that explained a little bit about what this discipleship was going to. And we had about 10 start and then we had two drop out because, um, it was a commitment. And you know, what's crazy. The two that dropped out, as soon as we finished, they were like, when are you doing that again? I need to be a part of that. And so we're about to do it again. Um, I've discipled uh, some college students on a different way, more one-on-one kind of way, still through the strand, just meeting at uh, my house or a restaurant or something like that. And just what it it has done to amplify the youth and what it has done to amplify the college students um, is just amazing. It's it's. I know that's a simple word, but it's just amazing. Uh, you're seeing it just like Jesus called on his disciples. He gave them a choice. Hey, come follow me. I'm going to teach you. And uh, we're we're adapting a similar model, and we're seeing just the fruit of it because people are choosing uh, to be discipled. And uh, it's just been fantastic. Well, it's so important for people to realize that when you join a local church, there is fruit in that. We want people to be with us. We want people to worship with us. We want people to fellowship and and enjoy us. But we live in, in a world, and we talked about this a few podcasts back, where 
biblical teaching, biblical understanding is getting smaller. Yeah. And people are joining churches and they don't exactly know, you know, just those basic fundamental fundamental characteristics of mm-hmm. being a member of God's kingdom. And, you know, we have people that they'll say, I want to be baptized. And we'll ask the question, okay, well, you know, I'm so glad you want to be baptized. So can you tell me, you know, when did you become a Christian? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can't assume people understand that. Yeah, Um, And discipleship is not something that it's like we put, it's not like we put a ribbon on your shirt and you're just a little bit better than everybody else in the church. No, discipleship is what we were all designed for. Yep to be given the blueprints of following Jesus to, to know what we know. And, you know, as a pastor, we have people that show up to worship and it would be great if we just identified our success on the amount of people that come into the room. Mm -hmm. But honestly, the most powerful effect of a worship service is the conclusion of the service when people who have been built up and taught how to follow Jesus leave that service and go out into the mission field, which is their lives, mm-hmm. and make an impact, yeah, we're you know we we roughly have you know three twenty five to four hundred in worship. It it kind of changes throughout yeah. the seasons. Mm-hmm. The effect is when that group of people walk out realizing that they're just as much called to ministry as you and I and yeah. Brett and Ryan mm-hmm. are. And that's the point of this. You don't have to be a, a, a professor of religion to be a disciple. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be any of those things. In fact, the original disciples were a ragtag bunch that the people in the community probably would have thought, out of all the people you chose, you chose these guys. <laughs> yeah. So if you've ever felt that feeling of, I'm not qualified or I'm not worthy, you're in the perfect position to be a disciple of Jesus. Yes. And we want to we want to take a sledgehammer to the the moniker that we build up, that, that those that follow Jesus are these perfect people. No, they're normal, regular people like you and me that, that have the tools to make a difference in the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the more you follow Christ, the more you become a disciple, uh, the more servant-minded you are. It's almost the opposite. You, you, you know, you think it's like, man, the people who've been discipled, man, they're just they're just better Christians, and they're, they, you know, they're on this pedestal, all this stuff. In reality, the the people who've gone through discipleship, if if they've done it right, but I know most of them have. Um, more servant minded they are. What helped my youth group so much was um, our our Wednesday nights, man. Their outreach. If if you've been a part of it, you you know there's outreach. There's going to be a a clear and present gospel message every single Wednesday night. And what I love about discipling the youth is they know that. And so at the end of youth, it looks almost the exact same as the end of Sunday service when people get up, they don't leave, they're talking and fellowshipping and and they're making connections with the with the new youth that have been there and they're they're talking. We had a girl get saved on a Wednesday night based on a conversation. Of course the lesson helped, but then some girl found her that been discipled and just talked with her and it was just fantastic and it, it's not like those kids are better. They've just 
being a disciple makes you more servant-minded because being more like Christ makes you more like Christ, and Christ came to serve, not to be served. And so it's just been awesome to see uh, that in our church. I have two friends of mine, uh, two of the closest friends I have. I have three close, close friends, and two of them are being discipled um, in that men's group on Wednesday nights. And I believe they're the two, two, one of the youngest. They're, they're the same age as yes. me. They're 24 and I believe the oldest in that is, correct me, 80? We have an 85-year-old 85. retired pastor in our Strand Discipleship group. And then we have four men under the age of 25 in yeah. discipleship. And it's not weird. It's not, it's not awkward. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. We, we have a group of men from different age groups, um, from different preferences, different ev- almost everything. Yeah. And, and it's working. Mm. And that's the whole point, y'all, is we, we don't have to make this difficult. We just set our minds to it. And just a quick story before we kind of talk about the qualifications of a disciple. I love movies. And <laughs> one of my favorite things to do as a person that loves movies is show someone a movie that I like. My yes. son Landry's 12, and he's starting to, um, I'm starting to be able to unpeel that for him uh, to the chagrin of my wife of some of the silly <laughs> comedy movies. Yeah. And I've discovered that I love watching Landry watch a movie for the first time and he's watching the screen and I'm watching him mm-hmm. and I'm watching him laugh at something that made me laugh, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, it's the same way for these men in discipleship. Mm-hmm. I'm not even teaching the class now. Justin Wheatley's teaching it, mm-hmm. but I'm in the room and I'm watching the men take in what they, what I was taught back in 2014 and just being blown away at seeing God work over and over and over yeah. and over again. So, you know, Maverick, we, we talk a little bit about qualifications of disciples. You know, we, we, we go to men and we say, hey, we'd like you to join this group for the next couple of months. And we have a little bit of a criteria for that. And yeah. um, do you remember whenever I did it with you what we said? Oh, yes, it is faithful, available, and memorize the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. No, 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 no. <laughs> faithful, available, and teachable. Yes. And you said it a much nicer way. I said, man, I'm looking for fat guys. <laughs> and, you know, for the, the fit men in the room, their eyes, you know, shocked with horror. But, yeah. you know, guys that look like me were like, all right. Um, That's good. But yes, we, we're looking for faithful, available, teachable men and women. And, you know, faithful simply means you're not a Christian today and then a Buddhist tomorrow, mm-hmm. that you are grounded in the God that you worship. Uh, it's difficult to disciple a person that is struggling to even simply believe in the God that we worship. Um, you know, so if you're not, if you struggle with that, then that's where we start. Um, mm-hmm. yes. But then, you know, the second one is really simple, available. We're in a very busy culture. And you simply can't lead if you're not around. Yep. You know, if you can't carve out an hour of your week, it is very challenging to be able to disciple you. So we tell people, you know, if, if it means we need to wake up early in the morning to meet, let's do it. If we need to meet late at night, let's do it because some things are just worth it. And yes. so we ask people that and then teachable. And uh, the verse that we use to describe teachable comes from Psalm 51, 8, where, you know, David is confessing a great sin Uh, to God. And he says, uh, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Um, Why in the world would we rejoice when our bones are being crushed? Well, basically, uh, David was talking about a soldier who has been at battle that broke his arm um, in the battlefield. And 
enough time has gone by that his bone has started to heal itself, but um, his arm was not made straight. So he's, he's basically disabled in his right or left arm. And the only way that you can fix that is you have to be willing to let that bone be replaced. Uh, and if anybody's ever had to endure that, whether you were put in or put out, uh, you know, uh, it's important to know that that's painful. Yeah. But if you want use of that limb, you've got to be willing to do that. And, and I think one of the most important characteristics of a person that wants to follow Jesus is we're willing to learn. Mm-hmm. We're willing to walk through something that we've struggled with in the past um, to be able to be fixed, to be to be made better. Uh, so, you know, if you're thinking that you've got to walk up with this perfect life, no. Mm-hmm. But once you put yourself under the hand of the Lord, uh, the Lord's going to refine you. He's going to purge you. He's going to prune you. But on the other end of that, y'all, there there is a healthy follower of Jesus, and and I cannot describe to you the power that's in that. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely, I love it. Um, it if it's if if it's important, you'll make it important, right? And that, that goes for everything. And then uh, the last one, just like teachable, um, it makes me think of. Uh, I like using the word coachable. It, it means the exact same thing. Uh, I was just, you know, I played sports. And what it means to be coachable is, yeah, I'm going to praise you when you do well, um, but I'm also going to point out what you're lacking. So I was a big basketball player. The most common thing that you hear uh, as a basketball player is dribble with your left hand if you're right-handed. You know, dribble with that left hand. Shoot a left-handed layup with your left hand. You know why? Because you're not doing it. I'm going to point out your weakness and if the opponent sees that you can't dribble with your left hand, guess what way they're going to make you go? To your weak side. And so um, Satan does the same thing. He sees your weak points, and guess what he's going to tempt you with? Your weak points. And so if you're able to be coachable and you're not ashamed, if, if you're willing to be like, yeah, that is my weak point, man. What, what can I do to, to be better in that um, then you are the perfect candidate uh, for Christianity. Amen. You're the perfect uh, candidate for discipleship. Um, uh, Luke 9, uh, verse 23, um, Jesus talks about the cost of following him. And it says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Uh, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Notice that the cost of following Jesus is not how much you did for Jesus. It's not how much chairs you stacked up. It's not how many meals you provided. It's not how many scriptures you memorized. It's 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 talking about, man, are you willing to give your life to Christ because Christ gave his life for you um, so that you don't have to uh, to die, but you can live everlasting in his kingdom um, it's it's not about what you do. It's not about your work. It's about your faith um, in Christ. Absolutely, we want we want people to want to be discipled. We're not going to make people, and we're not going to shame you if you're not. But we want to grow in a healthy way as a church. Yep. And one of the healthiest things we can do is focus on our members that are here today with hopes and prayers that God is going to equip our members to be able to reach more members, but we don't want that to be harnessed in Georgetown Baptist Church. We want that to be spread as far as it can go. Uh, in fact, in our county, um, there is a cry for discipleship. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm and I'm not saying that hypothetically. I'm talking to pastors 
that are telling me that they want to be taught this. Mm -hmm. And what a blessing for our church to be engaged in such an important mission. The last thing I want to say is I put out a Facebook post on September the 7th, and um, this is what I wrote. I said, we need more men who love Jesus in our society. Over a decade ago, I felt a call from God to be a source of encouragement to men of all ages and walks of life. I asked God to use me as a person men can trust and speak with men about their lives. One simple prayer has led to seeing hundreds of men standing before me with tears in their eyes, confessing their sins and insecurities. The pressure men feel in our culture is immense, especially for Christians who are called to lead their churches and families well. In 2014, my life was changed forever when I was discipled by Zach and John Randalls, who taught me to be a faithful follower of the Master. Since that day, my life has been dedicated to discipleship within the local church. The past nine years have taught me that true strength and revival happen in the church when people are called by name, prepared to follow Jesus, and sent out to make more disciples. This works for all of us. Revival is possible when we teach the principles of Scripture and apply them through spiritual mentorship. Please consider the men in your life who need encouragement. Reach out and offer a word of affirmation and pray for God's blessings to wash upon their life. Please don't assume that men are confident in themselves. Our behavior can present a strong demeanor, but we might be struggling on the inside. Look at the men in your church and ask God to build them up. Pair new believers with seasoned men who can guide them on the path of discipleship. Please don't give up on the men. Pray, encourage, be patient, teach, show, coach. When men of God discover who God made them to be, our enemy will shudder in fear. And Amen. and I just, I tell you that, that this is such an important characteristic of the local church. And we can't, we can't push it aside. We can't be afraid of it because it's a lot of work. We can day by day commit ourselves to this. And I cannot wait to see what the Lord does with it. Amen. Amen. Um, guys, as you can tell, we're passionate about discipleship. And if God is calling you to be faithful and to walk the path of discipleship, if God wants you to be a disciple, please come find me and we can pair you into a class, a big class. Or if you feel more comfortable, we can pair you with the person who's been discipled who will be able to walk you through um, the strand discipleship. The strand is not the Bible, but it is a tool to to be discipled. And uh, it's been working really good because it's God-centered. So love you guys. Take care, and we'll see y'all soon.